And so we're into uh, week four today, and I'm just looking forward to what God has laid on my heart uh, to share with you this morning. Phil alluded to it, and I, you know, just want to take again the opportunity. I've said it before, but I'll, I'll say it again. Um, just thank you so much for, for making us feel so uh, welcome in our transition. And it seems like it's been so long already, two months, but um, we, we really have been just blessed um, to, to be welcomed into this church in such a wonderful fashion. And so today, um, my topic, um, week four of, of Jesus Followers, is following him in obedience. And it's a big topic, and there's so many things that we could say about the topic of obedience and very different approaches that we can take to it. But I trust that today's message is really going to hit home and is going to, to challenge us this morning. We're going to um, pick up uh, in Luke chapter 6. And that's going to come up on the screen, Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49. I'll give you just an opportunity to find that if you do have your Bibles uh, as well. And we're going to look at that this morning. This particular um, section of Scripture is towards the end of, of the, the, the Sermon on the Mount. We find it in Matthew 7, but also here in, in Luke chapter 6. And Jesus had been teaching on a, a wide variety of different things. Things like love your enemies, don't judge others. Talking about how a good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. All of these things. And so as he came to this section in Luke chapter 6, um, he was almost coming to the end of this wonderful uh, sermon. Perhaps the sermon where um, it's the biggest chunk of, of just teaching that Jesus does um, that's recorded in the Bible. And so let's pick it up in verse 46. It says this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they're like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house. And if we look at Matthew 7, the parallel uh, version of this story, it goes into more detail. It doesn't just say the torrent struck the house. It says the rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house. But they couldn't shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete, and just just that far. When I was reading the scripture a few uh, a few weeks ago, um, we were in the midst of, of hearing about Hurricane Matthew as it was forming in the Caribbean, just sweeping through the Caribbean with such devastating effect, and and really bearing down on the state of Florida. And we, I suppose. From a, just a personal point of view, always pay attention to these natural disasters when they are going to affect people you love or people you know. And, and we have a lot of friends and family uh, in South Florida. And so we were paying special attention as Hurricane Matthew was almost heading straight in their direction. And uh, it was even interesting to follow a little bit of that on social media. And uh, one of my friends uh, from South Africa who now lives in, in, in Florida, um, he had his wife on the roof with him, just putting up these hurricanes, these big metal hurricane shutters, just to protect their house against the hurricane that was heading their way. But one particular story in the aftermath of this just caught my attention. And uh, it was a story about a, a lady called 
Julie Maddell uh, in central Florida, and she, she lives on a section of the Florida coast, which um, is called the, the, the Space Coast, because it's quite close to where they launched the shuttles into space. And she, on the 28th of September, the very day that Tropical Storm Matthew was forming in the Eastern Caribbean, she got a letter from her home insurance company saying, we're cancelling your home insurance as of the 1st of October. We wrote you a letter in March that you needed to sort something out in the house, and you never sorted it out. So as of the 1st of October, it's your home insurance. And so she contacted her bank in a panic, and, and the very next day it, it formed into a hurricane, so it was getting worse, and, and the bank confirmed, yes, they did send out the letter. You must have missed it, or maybe it got lost in the post, but there's nothing that can be done. Your home insurance, as of the 1st of October, is gone. Scared, isn't it? So as she was scrambling around, as you do, to, to, to get enough food supplies if the hurricane hits and to get the hurricane shutters up, whatever else you do, to get prepared for the hurricane, she was also trying to find new homes. And um, as you can imagine, um, if you're applying for home insurance and you have none and, and the hurricane's heading your way, you're not too hopeful that application being accepted, are you? And so it was uh, with m many tears and much anxiety that she, she had made an application at least and, and took her chances. And it seemed like fortune had failed her because, as you know, if you remember just a few weeks ago, the hurricane had a little bit of a wobble and instead of hitting Florida, it just went up the coast. So she thought, wow. I've escaped it, but there were still very high winds, and there was still a lot of rain, and it was still quite a big storm, even though it wasn't head on. And, and she woke up on the 7th of October, and she heard a loud bang. And it was basically a big oak tree at the back of her house had fallen smash onto her roof, caused a huge cavity in the top of her, um, of her lounge, and so it was exposed to the elements. And, and it was her worst fears, wasn't it? No home insurance. An oak tree falling on your house. Anyway, the story goes that um, friends and family and you know, good Samaritans gathered around and did the best they could and took the tree off and patched it up. But um, she was still obviously thinking, this is tens of thousands. Well, doctors did the day. And the, the, the outcome of it is that, that a week later, the 14th of October, so this is just Friday, you know, we, just, just over a week ago, she received notification from the insurance company, much to her surprise, she says, your application's been accepted. And we've paid out, because you made the application before the accident happened, we've actually paid out. And so she was just over the moon. But imagine that, facing, facing a storm, not being prepared, facing a storm without any insurance, facing a storm that you just don't know what you're going to do. And it was interesting, a little part of the story was, she said, um, she said, I'm not very religious, but I tell you, I've been praying a lot recently. <laughs> but it was the insurance company that got the prayer, and the honor, not God, but interesting that as well, isn't it? But you know what, we may not be in a hurricane zone. Um, we may not be having to, to, to deal with the stress that this lady Judy uh, had to deal with. But Jesus used with great effectiveness in this section of scripture in Luke chapter 6. He used the illustration of a storm. The illustration of the adverse weather that um, we read about here. And he, he used it with 
effect to speak on to the topic of obedience, which is what we're looking at today. Are we prepared? Can we ask that question here today to Arena Church? Are we prepared for storms should they come? Obviously, we um, may not be facing the same adverse weather, but there will be storms take on different forms in our life, don't they? It could be storms in your workplace, storms in family, storms in your finances, marriage storms. All sorts of things could happen. It could be health. You might be going through a storm that uh, is just hitting at your health right now. It could just be emotional storms, whatever it may be. We have a guarantee in this life that we will have trouble. We have a guarantee that the storms will come. Even when you're Jesus followers, the storms come. Are we ready to, to handle? Are we ready to encounter these? The Apostle Paul is, is perhaps you know, one of our best examples of a, of a Christian in the New Testament and wrote most of, or a lot of, the New Testament. And, and he speaks in 2 Corinthians of how all the storms that he'd gone through, shipwrecked several times, faced storms, faced peril, faced all sorts of things. If he encountered them, we will too. And if Paul's example isn't good enough, well, Jesus... Look at the storms and the, and, and the difficulties that he encountered during his time here on earth. And so as we, as we look at the topic of obedience, there's different ways we can approach it. We can talk about obedience and I can stand up here and I can say, this is what you should do. Do this, do that, do that, do that. This is what God expects from us. And I wouldn't be wrong in saying that. Because God does expect certain standards from his followers, yeah? yeah? He does. The wonderful thing about him is he, he says, come as you are. Yeah. And we've heard this from the platform in recent weeks. He says, come as you are, just as you are, come. Yeah. But he doesn't leave us in that place. He takes us on. And so he does expect that we become Jesus' followers, that things will change. And so it wouldn't be wrong to approach it in that sense. But I want to approach it just from a, a slightly different angle today. Basically what the text is saying that we read is saying is that obedience can help you through the storms of life. Yeah. Obedience can help you through the storms of life. Maybe it's easy to come into a wonderful church like Arena and look at all these wonderful people uh, smart in their Sunday best and, and we, we have such enthusiastic worship, people raising their hands and, 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 and come in here and think, well, this church has got it all together. Maybe we don't need a message on obedience, but Jesus hits the nail right on the head with the beginning of this section of scripture. He says this, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And they do not do as I say. You see, we all probably can identify with that phrase at some point, can't we? Yeah. Where we've, we've even maybe worshipped God and we've, we've called Him Lord. And we said, Lord, Lord, I love you, Jesus. But then we don't really live out or do or obey what He wants us to obey. King Saul was told obedience is better than sacrifice. He was putting on a show of honoring God, but really he wasn't both daddy. So this really does apply to all of us today. Obedience is something on one level or another, the speaker included, on one level or another, you'll struggle with the topic of obedience. And so there's a few things that I just wanted to focus in on this story about the wise and foolish builders. 
And the first thing I want to bring out just of this section is that when we are to be obedient because we want to last through those storms, obedience, first of all, takes time. <coughs> we talk in, and we read about they dug down deep until they found the rock. Contrast that with the, the foolish builder who just whipped up quick, uh, a quick construction. He didn't dig down deep until he found the rock. Now, I'm sure there's lots of you out there that are very construction-minded. And I'm certainly not one of them. It's not something I'm at all strong in. So, for me, I always remember when I think about foundations, I remember about, it was before we were married, probably 12, 13 years back, when I was working in a job and, and uh, we were building uh, an extra building on the side of where we were working. And, and so it was a two-story building and, and there was a, a window of time, four months, we had to get this building built to, to any old season before it started to get busy. And I remember um, that there was a big glass window kind of where I worked as I looked out onto the construction site. And, and I remember after about two months thinking, make this It seemed like there was nothing there. There was a few holes in the ground that clearly did bring some foundations, but there was nothing happening. And we got to three months, and I was thinking, not a chance. And then suddenly, and they finished on schedule, finished the very week they were meant to finish, because, you know what, foundations take a long time. Yeah. Foundations, digging down, it's not a quick fix, it's not an immediate result, but we are called to dig down deep, yeah. to, to plant those foundations, not to just give up. The fact is that um, we're all on a journey of, of, of changing. We're all on a journey of obedience, and we can't give up. Let's not give up doing the good things that we're called to do. Because in due time, we'll reap our reward. In due time, we'll see the building that's been built on the foundation that we're working so hard to establish. You know, if we become Christians, sometimes maybe we can be discouraged because we look at people who have been, you know, walking the walk for 30 years and we think, I'll never maybe match up to the wonderful level of saintlyhood that they're at and obedience and oh, it's just such a hard mark to aim at. But you know what? When we become Christians, it, the wonderful thing is an instant transformation. When we have faith in Jesus Christ, it's instant salvation, isn't it? It's not like you have to wait your time. We, we believe Jesus Christ died for our sins and we are saved. But as we walk out the process, as we become to know Him, the obedience changes and the, the, the habits change over time. We adopt a new culture, don't we? Yeah. I am adopting a new culture as we speak. I'm learning about uh, East Midlands. <laughs> sometimes successful, sometimes not. I now know what a bacon cob is. <laughs> When I first heard about a bacon cob, I thought it was a cob of corn with bacon on it. And I thought, that was crazy. But um, a few of you have educated me on that. So I'm learning about a new culture. And when we become Christians, we also learn about a new culture. You know, we've spoken about honor. So we come from a world where it's dishonor, dishonor. And we come to church and we take on a, 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 a new culture and we say, we're going to honor. Yeah. 
we maybe come from a, a, a place where you're taught to just look after yourself, just worry about yourself, but we come here and, and Jesus says different. He says, no, look out for others. Love your enemies as well. And so we move and we take on a, a different, different culture when we become Christians. But that takes time. It also takes hard work. The Bible talks about, um, it uses the example of an athlete to a soldier, doesn't it? Both the examples are examples of discipline. Both examples are examples where you need to work hard, where you need to work through it. You need to maybe get up early in the morning. You need to maybe not eat everything you can eat when you're an athlete. I wouldn't know about that. <laughs> you know, when we change and when we obey God, sometimes it does take hard work. I always remember my dad, and um, he taught me that so well. And maybe some of you have met my dad. They visited a few weeks ago. But I remember 1994 World Cup final. I know many of you weren't born at that time, but I can remember it clearly, and, and um, it was the last World Cup that, that I was home for, and, and I remember my dad, it was on a Sunday evening, and I remember my dad saying, Stephen, you're not going to watch the World Cup final, Brazil versus Italy, was it? And he said, you're going to go to church. You're going to go to church. I wasn't happy. <laughs> and I'm not saying, I'm not making any profound statements on that. But you know what? It did mention. And I'm not saying if you watch a football game and don't come to church, there's no hope for you. I'm not saying that. But you know what? It did teach me that day. It taught me that priority is Jesus. Priority is coming to the house of God. This should be the place we want to be. Yes, the World Cup runs great. It was a dismal game, by the way. The point is, sometimes our priorities need to be God. Sometimes it's hard work, but it's all worth it in the end. But also it takes submission to Him. Submission to God. He's the rock after all. It's the obedience, hearing and obeying. Admitting that we don't know what's best, but He does. Sometimes even God asks us to do illogical things. Yeah? Sometimes He may ask us to do things that really on a human level don't make sense. He asks us sometimes to go against the flow. But that's the part where we trust Him. That's the part where we say, God, I submit to you. which says Noah did everything just as God commanded him. He was obedient. 
But the wonderful thing in this section of scripture is that it also says it has a promise attached to obedience. Luke chapter, we go back to Luke chapter 6 now. It says that when a flood came, the torrent struck the house, but it could not shake it because it was well built. It could not shake it because it was well built. You see, when we come to God, when we hear His words, when we put them into practice, we'll be building on that foundation and will not be easily shaken. We'll become unshakable. Yeah. Really. Unshakable in the storms that we encounter, whether it's hurricanes or whatever it may be, we'll become unshakable. And obviously it would be wrong of me to, to omit the fact that really, obedience comes from a true faith, doesn't it? So if you're sitting there today, and I'm thinking, I just can't meet up with these standards of obedience. Obedience comes from a true faith. If we understand what He's done for us, if we understand the sacrifice that Jesus has made on the cross for our sins, if we understand who God is, as the omniscient God, then really from a position of an authentic and a real faith, obedience should flow. And so the truth of it is, is that ultimately it is from faith. I'm not saying that it's any different. But true faith produces action. True faith produces obedience and change in our lives. We can be unshakable in the storms that we encounter. But I want to look at one other story before we uh, finish up today. And uh, it's the story of Jonah. Another storm uh, in this story. And we're really um, hitting the Sunday school classics today. <laughs> so uh, my, my Sunday school teacher would be proud of me. Um, we've spoken about the wise and foolish builder. Uh, we've spoken about Noah. And now we're hitting on to Jonah. So we're going well. <laughs> Basically, we're not going to read the, the full story because it's quite a long one, four chapters long, but basically Jonah was a prophet. The prophet of God asked to go to Nineveh to preach. Nineveh was a place where he had a prejudice towards these people. Didn't want to go. Didn't think they deserved God uh, and His forgiveness in any way. So he ran away from God. And he ran away on a boat. And, uh, and obviously went in a totally different direction to where he was meant to go. And God, so God sent a storm, didn't he? And we know that so well. And, and obviously the storm is buffeting the boats. And the, the sailors start thinking, what's going on? Somebody must have done something to this king's God. And so they cast lots and it fell upon Jonah. And he, he admitted, yes, you know, I'm running away from God. And, and so eventually the long and short story is that he got thrown overboard. And, and we know that the big fish came and swallowed them and it was in the fish's belly for three days and then eventually spat them out and he made his way to Nineveh. But there's a few things and we'll look at a bit more detail, a few things that I just wanted to look at in that uh, story and first of all the fact that, well, there's a part of obedience that actually can help us avoid storms too. Some storms will always be there because that's life. But some storms can actually be storms of our own making. Do we believe that? Clearly yeah. for Jonah, it was a storm of his own making. And so sometimes in our lives, it's the, it's the same too. You probably, if you're anything like me, 
here, it's easier to see other people's storms of their own making, isn't it? Like, I can think of a few people, and I think, that storms of your making, mate. But it's also, it's very hard to see ourselves and our, our own uh, storms, as it were, that are, are a result of our disobedience. You see, the one thing that, there's three things as well that I just wanted to bring out of this story, and and, and the first thing I wanted to say is that God calls for specific obedience as well. You see, God calls for general obedience. He, he calls us to obey His commandments as are revealed in His Word. Yes, but then there's also, He calls for specific obedience at times too. In this case, Jonah had a specific calling to Nineveh. We don't know why it was Jonah. We don't know why it wasn't anyone else. We don't know why God went to such lengths to correct Jonah and bring him back rather than just use somebody else. But Jonah had a specific calling. There's other examples in, in, in the Bible about people that really were asked to do specific things that maybe aren't a rule for all of us, but God has something specific that he wants you to do. He told a rich young ruler, he said to him, sell all your possessions, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. Now that's not something that he asked all of us to do. And so there's a specific obedience, specific callings that God has asked us to obey in ways that maybe He wouldn't ask Nathan, but He can ask me to obey in different ways. He may not ask Andy, but He asks you because He also asks for specific obedience. There's another example where a man said to him, I'll follow you, but let me go and say goodbye to my family first. And he basically said to him, no, he said, Jesus said this, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now that, that's not for all of us. But for that man, he was making an excuse. He didn't want to follow Jesus. What he wanted to do is go back to his family, say goodbye to his family, and he probably never followed Jesus after all. And Jesus knew that. And so he asked for specific obedience, specific to our circumstances, specific to our unique calling, our gifting, but also specific to our character and the challenges that we face. Yeah. I'm always hesitant to, to use our example uh, as an example of obedience because, you know, I'm, I'm the worst example of obedience. But I almost take some comfort when I'm talking about Jonah. I take comfort and I'm like, okay, God, I can use my example because Jonah and me, you know, we're we're pals. It may not have been for the same reasons that I've run away from God's calling, but I've run away from God's calling. For whatever other reasons that I have, which I'm not going to share with you today, I ran away from the calling of God. But let me tell you this I've learned that obedience is always the best way for me. God always provides when we obey. He always comes through for us. But He asks for specific obedience sometimes. And, and, and that's something you know. Because you have a relationship with God. He asks for specific obedience. The other thing that from the, the, the passage in Jonah, which, which is a great encouragement to me, is that God is a gracious God. Such a gracious God. When He calls for obedience, He's also gracious and understanding. I alluded to it earlier, but maybe you feel overwhelmed by this huge, big topic of obedience. 
how can I ever obey God, do everything He wants? Well, isn't Jonah encouraging? This man who ran away from God, who, who turned his back, went in the total other direction, and God still didn't give up on him. He sent a storm to direct him back onto the right path. But even when they said, well, somebody must have sinned, isn't it funny that he didn't say, oh, it's me. At that point, if the storm was that bad, you know, who would have been okay? I don't know. But he let them actually do the locks, you know, part the locks, and finally it fell on the end. He's like, okay, it's me. <coughs> and depending on the version you read, I know the New King James Version, when it talks about him being thrown overboard and he gets swallowed up by a fish, and, and then it goes into chapter 2, and it says he was in the belly of the fish for three days, and the New King James Version says, then he cried out to the Lord. And I think, wow. You know, whatever the length of time was, I mean, three days he was in the belly of the fish before he cried out to the Lord. That's a gracious God. And it says that God answered him and God came through for him. But Jonah is a great example of the fact that God is gracious. That even when we don't obey Him like we should, He's still gracious. So I want that hopefully to be an encouragement to you today. But the other thing that I wanted to just bring out really quickly before we finish from the, the story of Jonah is that God also cares about the heart. He cares about our heart too. You see, when our heart is not right, we can still agree to achieve great things sometimes. I mean, in the story of Jonah, he really went there reluctantly, didn't he? He was actually, he went and preached, and they repented, and then he sold that they repented. <laughs> you know, he was there, and Phil used this great example a few weeks, I think it was Phil, where he used the example of a child that said, I'm, I'm sitting down on the outside, but inside I'm standing up. And for Jonah, it was, he was there in Nineveh on the outside, but inside he wasn't. And so the challenge from the book of Jonah, and, and, and we look at it a little bit in, in chapters 3 and 4 of how God dealt, especially in chapter 4 of Jonah, how God dealt with this hard-heartedness of him, of his. But the challenge is to us, you know, God does care about our heart. You can accomplish great things, even sometimes when your heart's not right. But let me tell you this, the key to sustainability, the key to continuing on the journey, the key, key to continuing is having your heart right. We don't know what Jonah accomplished after this great story of Nineveh, but unless Jonah got his heart right, he wasn't going to go forward and still accomplish great things for God. You see, God does care about our heart. Even when the victory was won, he sat down with Jonah, he taught him a lesson, gave him some shade, and he was all happy, and then he killed the, 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 the plant so that Jonah was scorching again, and Jonah was upset, and, and God basically said to him, you care more about that plant than you do about the people of Jonah. Where's your heart, Jonah? Is your heart in the right place? So God cares about our hearts. You know, if we are obedient to God, if we are do what He asks us to do, we hear His word and we obey Him. We can be unshakable. We can go through storms and be unshakable. 
but equally so if we are obedient to God. Can I be bold enough to say, not only can we be unshakable, we can be unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah? That sounds like a very arrogant statement to say, but here's the beautiful thing. The beautiful thing is that God's purposes prevail. The plans of Stephen, the plans of man, the plans of Phil and Christian even, they don't prevail, but God's plans prevail. But the wonderful thing is, when we align ourselves with God's plans, when we align ourselves with God's purpose, when we are obeying specifically what He's called us to do, then yes, we can be unstoppable, because God is unstoppable. And so my challenge for you today is, is say, what is God asking of you? Where is God asking you to obey? I believe we can be unstoppable. Just as I, I draw to a conclusion today, you know, back to the, the topic of storms, and we've spoken a lot about that today. One of the things that I couldn't help but notice is as the, in the aftermath of Hurricane Matthew, the fact that, but it seems like a common theme of every hurricane. There's always so much devastation in the poor countries like Haiti, isn't there? And yes, there's devastation in America, but it always seems so much better in these third world countries that don't have the infrastructure. Because homes get blown over just so easily compared with the, the solid structures that maybe are in countries that have more money, more resources. And as I was reflecting on that, I was saying, I wonder how we at Arena as a church, but also individually. How's our foundation? How are we going to deal with the storms that come our way? Are we going to have, you know, have the devastation that maybe some countries have where there's just not the infrastructure? Are we going to be firmly rooted and firmly, uh, with our foundation, firmly upon the rock? There's a challenge for us, for all of us, and um, I'll ask the band to actually come forward as we just draw this to a close. You see, if we're Jesus followers, He calls us to be Jesus followers and obedient. Yes, we'll have troubles, but I'm clear of that. But He also says He loves to come to the world. The call to obedience. Just confirm still doing victory, yeah? Okay. I just bumped the car slowly.